0: And now,
2: you are listening live.
0: The Smoking Musket Podcast. By Godders. Welcome to the Smoking Musket Podcast. Uh, this is Bart Keeler. This is a new voice you're hearing. You might be used to hearing David Smith, and I understand he is taking a sabbatical right now. But uh, this is Bart Keeler still joining you. I am Barnabas Prime on the Smoking Musket site and Barnabas Prime nineteen on Twitter. And I am joined tonight with a new voice on the podcast. This is Mike Miller, the site manager for the smokingmusket.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike Miller SBN. Mike, welcome to the podcast.
1: This feels this feels really good. Um- I'll probably fail miserably, and you'll fill in well for Smitty, um, and I'll just do a poor impression of you. Hey, you know what? We just get
0: on here, and we just kind of talk about things that might pop up, and sometimes it relates to WVU sports.
1: I heard some <laughs> stuff popped up today. Um, yeah, oh, we'll my lord. That. We got a lot to talk about, that's
0: for sure. <laughs> um, before we get really started, uh, thanks again for downloading. Don't forget us to write us on iTunes, subscribe to us on YouTube, and follow us on Twitter. And like us on Facebook. You can find us on iTunes and YouTube at Smoking Musket and Smoking Musket Podcast. Uh, And then on Twitter and Facebook, it's just um, Smoking Musket. And our website, SmokingMusket.com. All those places you can get pretty up-to-the-minute mountaineer news for just about any sport we have. We try to keep you updated as much as possible. Um, Mike, we have a game to review <laughs> um, so we're, we're going to go through three parts with you tonight we're going to part one do the headlines and the big 12 week seven recap and review that texas tech game and part two we're going to bring on melissa treewasser friend of the show and a writer for frogs of War, the uh, TCU SB nation site she is a wealth of information um, when it comes to tcu athletics and then in part three we'll break down the november or excuse me the october 22nd matchup between the TCU Horned Frogs and the West Virginia Mountaineers.
1: Uh, Mike, anything you have before we get started? Uh, no, I, I actually, I think I like this better. Um, I tried the whole Facebook Live video thing the other day, and I just want to say it's really distracting when I've got people trying to tell me to go die, <laughs> so yeah, unless you tell me that, <laughs> no, we we're, good. we're good, we're
0: good. We might get that in the comments, but we can ignore those.
1: Yeah, I'll just delete <laughs> those. Bad.
0: All right, well, uh, let's start off with some headlines. I'll run through some headlines for you, and then Mike will break down the Week 7 that was in the Big 12 conference. So uh, we'll get started with some headlines. All right, the number one women's soccer team down Texas Tech, one nothing on a Hannah Abraham goal to remain unbeaten in Big 12 play, and they remain at the top of the rankings. Volleyball falls to Baylor 3-1, and now 2-5 and in conference play, slipping up as we get into the meat of the schedule. Uh, but... The men's soccer team continuing also to, schedule, to struggle, falling to Buffalo on senior night 2-1, a very early senior night. They've only played two conference games. I don't know how much more they've got that they're going to have to play it all on the road, though. Uh, good news coming out of Mountaineer Sports, though. Swimming and diving took home first place in the Big 12 versus Big East weekend. Swim meet over the, uh, the weekend that was. We beat Seton Hall, Xavier, and Butler. Um, three Big East teams and we have a new pool record by Emma Skelly in the Mile Long Freestyle which is my second least favorite swimming event my first least favorite is or you know, my least favorite is the 400 IM I don't know if you ever tried that it's not fun well a football thing and then a conference thing um, W and Oklahoma State will kick off at noon that game will be in Stillwater which is technically 11am central in Stillwater another early start for the Mountaineers on the road and the final piece of news is coming out uh, this week this was on Monday that this broke um, the Big 12 conference
1: will not expand at this time Mike, your thoughts. I I really can't even put it into words. I just think the Big 12 is very poorly run. Um, And I'm really worried about where West Virginia ends up after the grant of rights is over. Um, And I know a lot of people have said, oh, the ACC, well, that ship sailed. That's not happening. Um, But unless something happens and we're suddenly AAU, um, that's not happening. So I, I don't know what the cards hold for West Virginia in the future or the rest of the big 12. I think they should have expanded. Um, I would have been fine with BYU, Houston, pretty much anybody, but UConn because it's UConn. I think they just, they just look dumb the way they've, the way they went so public about it and said, Oh, we're right. looking at all the, these are the 12 schools or 11 schools that made the cut. And then today, no, nobody, we're not even going to look at them anymore. It's done. It's over. Or is it? Because in the is it? press that's conference, the <laughs> yeah, in the press conference, they said we voted against it. And then all of a sudden, halfway through the press conference, well, at this time, what, what are you doing? Like, Make up your mind.
0: Right. Well, and that's kind of what I thought about what was actually going to happen is they're just kind of tabling the discussion until someone else brings it up. So they just basically said, OK, we're not going to deal with it right now. Swept it under the rug and left us for what? I mean – I don't understand. My, my favorite quote from the press conference was Bowlesby saying, quote, this was perhaps a bit more of a sweepstakes than we thought it would be at the beginning. Yeah, you wow. think? That's exactly <laughs> yeah. what they wanted, though, was it not?
1: <laughs> that, that was pretty much it when they said um, – I mean what, at one point we had like 20-some schools trying to get in. And they even did like the whole bachelor thing. Here, here's your rose. You actually made the cut. Um, and then they just shut everybody down. I think I saw a tweet today that said something. um, The Big 12 was the conference that broke up with somebody and then got on Tinder and swiped left and then decided to say, no, I'm going to stay single for a while and find myself.
0: But We don't know what we're doing. That's
1: the problem. No, no, it's
0: like I'm having bad flashbacks to
1: to Big East.
0: (laughs) But the Big East at least tried. Kind of? Kind of. I mean, the second go around, the Big East was kind of just taken for what it was. I mean, there was no recovering from that. But I just – I'm with you. I feel like you could have expanded – I think there were viable options. I think BYU was the most obvious choice, and I know there's some issues there, but that's where you'd sit down with BYU and say, look, this is how we feel. You need to figure out if you want to be a part of this or not. And then you can put it back on BYU's prerogative – And if they don't do it, then you say, well, that's why we didn't expand. And then you as a conference kind of look better. But you had Houston, you had Cincinnati, you had Memphis, you had, I mean, you had a number of viable options that were decent and not just football. I think that was the draw for me for Houston and Memphis, is that you're not just getting a football program, you're getting a decent sized city, a decent basketball program, decent programs in other sports, and decent universities. But we don't know what the Big 12 wanted.
1: No, and I still don't know what they want. (laughs) And they're so back and forth on the whole conference network thing. I I don't understand any of it. it,
0: Well, it's been a headache, and it's been a self-induced headache. It's a problem for them, at at least in my opinion. (laughs) Uh, We will definitely have more discussion about this because, like we said, it's not over. (laughs) It's uh, so over right now, but it's, it's never over, over. Forever. It's no. never over. <laughs> but we do know that we will have a conference championship game starting next year with a ten team league that plays everybody.
1: I, I still don't know how they're gonna split the divisions up. I mean well I guess they're not I don't know going know if they're to, doing but divisions. they have we don't to know what they're doing yeah. <laughs> It's a train wreck. That's the best way I can describe it. It's a train wreck.
0: This is what happens when people make decisions with no real direction. As much as I hate the SEC and the Big Ten, I, I applaud their leadership for having a clear direction for what they wanted to do. Even the Pac-12 had a direction. It just hasn't worked out all that well for them. They had a plan. ACC had a plan.
1: What was right. the Pac-12's plan? They, they executed that plan pretty well. I mean, Yeah. <laughs> and we're left here just looking like a bunch of clowns. Well,
0: I mean, most – you look at the SEC and the Big Ten. The Big Ten, obviously, are the first one to really have their conference network. It works. SEC, conference network, it works. We'll see about the ACC network. I think it will do well because they have kind of local stations that pick up ACC games that get good ratings. From that standpoint, I can see why the Big 12 said, no, we're not sure yet, we'll wait off. But the expansion thing, I think we've seen it pretty clear that – we're handicapping ourselves when it comes to being a major player in college football.
1: I hope it's not what happens, but I, I think Oklahoma heads to the SEC and Texas and their little gang in Texas just go Pac-12. I, I don't I don't know. Um, we're going to end up somewhere, some weird combination of the American Conference and the leftovers of the Big 12 probably. Right. So basically it'll be the Big 12. <laughs> I mean – Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> well, that's my fear, is that we we escaped the American once. And now we're looking at it where we could have the possibility. And not that the sky is falling, you know, by Goddard's, but um, it, this is a real possibility that after the grain of rights ends in about 10 years, what is the conference going to do? I think if you expand to 12 teams, you pretty much solidify yourself as a conference going forward. 10 teams makes it easy pickings. Well,
1: right, and I don't know if that was the the whole plan I don't know if there's some ulterior motive from Oklahoma and Texas to say we can't expand because if we if we want to leave that still leaves them with 10 that's a viable conference and we're going to get boned on the contract dispute stuff um right. which I saw thrown around on Twitter a bunch by insiders <laughs> quote unquote um yes
0: um i i do i feel pretty strongly that i know president gee and um our athletic director Shane Lyons wanted to expand, but wanted to make sure it was the right decision for the conference, which I think is the right way to go about it. I mean, obviously, you wanna you wanna make sure that you're doing it the right way, but I think they wanted to expand, and I think the main I think the main reason for that was because we're kind of on this island, and we wanted someone who could be a little closer. Uh, clearly, we weren't gonna get that, and so if we're not gonna get that, then why expand at all? from our perspective but you know there's a lot of there'll be a lot more to come out of this as as the months go on i'm sure someone's gonna slip up and talk about something or you know Bowlesby will make a, a clown of himself again and we'll be have we'll have some more stuff to talk about
1: and uh i'm sure this time you know next summer we'll be talking about all this again it's it's inevitable
0: well, especially with the the, especially after next season with the conference championship game, I think it'll it'll add a new wrinkle, and we'll have to go through a season of what does a conference championship game with ten teams look like. I don't know. Uh, well, speaking of the uh, the ten teams in the conference, let's let's recap what we do have to talk about, which is week seven of the Big Twelve.
2: In the Big Twelve Conference, when we say one true champion, we mean it.
1: Right. Baylor just annihilated Kansas, which was probably to be expected. Although I was kind of hoping Kansas would pull something off there. Um, final scores: 49 to 7. Oklahoma beat Kansas State 38 to 17, and I believe Kansas State kind of tried to make a comeback there halfway through the game. I didn't get to watch it; um, just followed a little bit on Twitter and ESPN.com. So Oklahoma is on a roll, um, and then Texas. Scored 27 points on Iowa State, who scored six. Texas finally scored points on Iowa State.
0: <laughs>
1: I mean, that is a
0: philosophy of Texas fan. <laughs> all right, Charlie good Strong,
1: um, he, he's he's in some kind of trouble down there. I, I mean,
0: have... the only thing you have to hang your hat on right now is to beat Iowa State. <laughs> yeah. Notre Dame's not a good win.
1: No, not, not at all. Two and five Notre Dame. <laughs> Which speaking of hot seats, Brian Kelly's got to be gone after this season. Well, I mean, I mean, he's too busy getting in fights with Stanford strength and conditioning coaches, and
0: that is a dumpster fire up there in South Bend, and I love it personally.
1: I thought there was no way that
0: Texas's defense would hold Iowa State to sit, to within four because the line was fourteen. I was like, there's no way Texas is holding Iowa State within fourteen points of them. I was wrong. It held them to twenty one points, but I clearly. Baylor and OU are the two teams in the Big 12 that actually can do something um, in terms of making themselves nationally recognized. I mean, Baylor and WVU are the only two right now who have a shot at the uh, the college football playoff in a realistic sense. Would you agree?
1: Uh, we're not going to talk about us having a shot. <laughs> that doesn't have that's, that's, I don't know that that's Baylor has argument. a shot. We are five and zero. Oh. That's it. <laughs>
0: Uh, but if you ask anyone, uh, Oklahoma is still the the favorite. So you know,
1: right. Good. And if you're Brett McMurphy, you forget about West Virginia altogether. And I like that. <laughs>
0: that was I can't believe you forgot that. Well,
1: it was yeah. us and Navy. <laughs>
0: yeah, who just like somehow like, we're not going to bowl game this year. Cool. Okay. No. no. <laughs> finish five. No,
1: we're gonna <laughs> we're five and zero right now. We're just gonna finish right now. Season's over, folks. Yep.
0: Done. We're done. Well, Brett, and he's supposed to like cover the Big Twelve too. That's the funny part. Um, I just, the, the big 12 right now is, is a little weird, um, in terms of standings. Most teams have played three games. We've only played two because we had to have 2 bye bi-weeks in the first month of the season. But, um, I think it's pretty wide open right now in terms of who's at the top and who, who has a legitimate shot to win the conference right now. But you know we still have a long way to play. Right now it's Baylor and Oklahoma both at the top at three and zero. Obviously Baylor sitting at the top at the top with the overall record of six and zero. WVU is two and zero. Oklahoma State and T C U are behind them at fourth and fifth at two and one. Kansas State at sixth at one and two. Texas seventh one and two. Texas Tech one and two. Kansas 0-3, Iowa State somehow at the very bottom 0-4. So that's kind of where we stand at the end of Week 7. Speaking of Week 7, we won a football game in Lubbock, Texas, which felt good.
1: That happened. That that felt real good. I, I don't think I've seen a more complete game out of this team. It was pretty incredible.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think... From an overall perspective, we looked like a team that was worthy to be talked about on Sunday, and let's, that's all we need to do. But the Mountaineers went into Lubbock, Texas. Uh, they were 4-0 going in, walked away with a victory against the Red Raiders, 48-17. to That's right, 17 points surrendered by the Mountaineer defense. Not only did we put up 650 yards on offense, which was expected, the defense held a team that averaged 60 points at home to only 379 yards of total offense, and including 34 net yards on the ground, we had a decent defensive performance, and that's my takeaway from the. My overall takeaway is our defense looked like it was ready to play on Saturday.
1: Yeah, about halfway. I don't even know if it was halfway through the game. I guess it was probably somewhere in the second quarter. Um, started noticing a lot of national writers on Twitter saying, "Hey, West Virginia has a defense." Well, yeah, we we knew that um you all didn't clearly
0: they they I they don't quit even like within a game obviously I mean they they played the entire game pretty well but man the way we just flocked to the ball every I mean there were a couple missed tackles but even then there were players around there to, to make a tackle their, their motors were going the entire game
1: and I'm uh, Kaiser White killed a man in Lubbock we need to stay out of Texas because our safeties kill people when we're down there.
0: That was we're a, not
1: welcome back to the state of Texas, I'm pretty sure. No.
0: Sorry, we're going to actually – this is what Big 12 Expansion was talking about is how we're going to have to leave the conference because there's not going to be enough players in Texas left <laughs> after our safeties. I mean, that was a shot. Holy cow. And we had a couple of those too. I mean, it was just like popping everywhere. I loved it. It's a great sound to hear coming from the TV especially. Um, but overall, I mean, I think offensively too, we did it. We did well. We stuck to a game plan that wasn't. I think the game plan basically was don't get cute, and just execute the the play that's been called. And I think we did that very well all game.
1: Yeah, I'd say so. Um, I don't, I couldn't ask for it to go any better. I would have liked to have had some of those non calls from Big Twelve refs, but I'm not going to complain because of the score. I mean, if the outcome would have been different, I would have been complaining. Because defensive hugging, I'm pretty sure that's a, a penalty.
0: Well, clearly taking off someone's helmet while defending a pass is an pass interference penalty, either. But that's, that's you know, true. So. When your conference officials have a parody account on Twitter, right? That's all you need to know. I mean,
1: if if we look at all the great parody accounts, um, Dan Beebe, Big Twelve refs. Oh. <laughs> trying to think who else has really good parody accounts. I mean, it, it's well, all I mean, mostly other than, other than fake Holgerson, who's all-time great. Um, I really miss him. I wish he was still around. Can we
0: talk about Holgerson slamming a Red Bull in the beginning of the fourth
1: quarter <laughs> <laughs>
0: on the sideline? We just scored to go up, uh, what was it, 34 to – yeah, it was 34 to 10. And he just slams a red bull that is awesome
1: it is and i i remember like reading stuff before i guess when he came to west virginia uh, there, were, there were some stories about how when he was at i think Houston or Texas tech when they get up big he would just go sit in the student section like i was waiting for him to do that if that would have been a home game i feel like he would have jumped into the lower student section and just sat there and chilled like <laughs> <laughs>
0: He would have been totally fine. Just chill out there.
1: He probably could have got the card stunt right if we tried that again. But
0: Oh, my <laughs> Lord. Let's not try that again.
1: <laughs> let's not, ever. That no. was bad.
0: Oh, it was not good. I I think our defense is the star of this game for a couple of reasons. Like you mentioned, they're getting national recognition now, which is good. I mean, to be fair, we knew we had a good defense last year, but we weren't quite sure how it was going to turn out this year. But I would say so far... So good. I mean, other than the, the BYU game, which was a, more of a matchup issue than anything, and I still think our defense played relatively decently, our defense has been very good in terms of giving our offense – they're not putting a lot of pressure on the offense to have to score a bunch of points. And they're giving our offense extra opportunities to score. And that's what you need from a defense in college nowadays.
1: I was really worried about the defense coming into the season. I mean, with everything we lost and then looking at who we had, career backups, they yeah. have really impressed me. I mean, it's incredible what Gibby's done with that defense and plugging in the holes left by everybody, pretty much. I mean, yeah. the defensive line returned, and that's it. So well, we're, I mean, we're doing all right.
0: And, and, and even still, I mean, we lost a couple players at the beginning of the season. From Drayvon Askew, Henry, you know, going down for a season-ending injury, and we haven't really seen a, a drop off. And I think that I think that is more of a testament to to Tony Gibson's not just his. I mean, he's a great defensive play caller, obviously. We saw that, um, but I think his his philosophy and his mentality and what how he communicates to players, what their job is, I think, is the underlying story here. Because it's one thing to be able to. Call up blitzes or not call blitz or, you know, have a feel for when you want to drop into coverage and whatnot. But, like, I think on a whole, everyone seems to know what their job is in this defense. And that, as a coach, is more important than anything.
1: Right. And I think you got, you have the guys buying into it. Um, and that's, that's huge. I mean – they're so scrappy. I guess that's the best word. Look at that interception from Sean Walters. Yeah. <laughs> that could have just been an incomplete pass, but he I don't even know how he did that. I I, mean, I don't know. I don't. We haven't had a receiver catch a ball
0: like that this year. That was, I mean, right. through his legs, behind another guy's legs.
1: And that played the that game was, around for him. Exactly. That's what I was getting ready to say. Um, I mean, they were driving. I was starting to get a little nervous there, but that just completely flipped the game.
0: I mean, and from there, they didn't—they scored a field goal, um, but they didn't score another touchdown until the fourth quarter.
1: And that was garbage touchdown, and Shelton Gibson was right. They held them to 10. That's all that matters.
0: Yeah. I mean, really, when you look at garbage time and whatnot, I mean, really, we, we, we held them, for the most part, we held them 10 points. I mean, yeah, that last touchdown was whatever. We go back and then score another touchdown, which made be it even better. But, um, I mean, I, I think overall, defensively, great performance. And he, it, really, you can see that from the statistics. Uh, Pat Mahomes was sacked four times for negative 47 yards. That's how you disrupt this offense.
1: Yeah, I, I, I really don't like Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I said it in the, <laughs> the Facebook Live video. What he does is what I did on NCAA college football. Right. Like I would, I would play it in college. I'd get drunk and I would pick it up and get on live and play against somebody, and I would just run around in the backfield like an idiot until somebody broke free, and then I'd just chuck it deep and score a touchdown, and they would rage quit. I mean, it's what happened. <laughs> and I was well, almost yeah, ready I mean, to rage that's what quit the other night. he did all day. Night. He always seemed to have one guy just break free at the right time.
0: Uh, it was – I mean, honestly, I thought that it was a complete game. We held them for under 100 yards total rushing. They had 91 yards total rushing. And not that Texas Tech is a great – running team but they do it enough to be able to put up some numbers and it's it's usually something that is effective when you're you know especially with as much talent as they have at wide receiver and how much they throw the ball they usually are more effective but only 91 yards rushing and um pat mahomes technically gained 49 yards rushing but he was also dropped in the backfield for negative 51 yards which makes me more happy (laughs) i like that stat (laughs) that's a good stat um, uh, uh, but even so, I mean, Mahomes had, he was 28 for 41 and a touchdown, 305 yards. Um, uh, he did have a pick and the Nick, um, Shamanek, Shimonek, I heard it. Shimonic. shimonic Yeah. I heard it pronounced both ways on the call. I'm not, a am not going to get into that, but he was four for six for 40 yards and a touchdown. Um, total of 300 and, uh, let's math 345 yards. Um, passing for texas tech which i mean again at home they average like 400 500 yards passing and 60 points and we held them to 17 points um offensively i thought we had i mean we had a very balanced day and again the numbers tell you that because skylar howard 21 for 31 318 yards and a touchdown only one touchdown we scored 48 points only had one touchdown Pass from Skylar Howard. And that was to uh, Justin Crawford, of all people.
1: But Skylar added another, what, 89 yards on the ground and two touchdowns, and he trucked a defender? Yeah. Which he was, did. He lowered his shoulder. I, <laughs> I, I watched the, the clip of that. I think it was on Vine or something. And I just watched it over and over because it was hilarious to me. I don't know why.
0: Well, because he's a 5'10 quarterback <laughs> running. Like, not over. He just went, ran through.
1: He just lowered uh, the shoulder and ran through the guy.
0: That is – you know, sometimes I like when Skyler does that. Sometimes I go, uh, please don't do that again. But uh, in a game like this, you needed that. I think at, from top to bottom, every player on the Mountaineer team was ready to to play this game. Um, leading receiver for the game – our receiving numbers are really weird. Um, Shelton Gibson had four catches for only 14 yards. And if you look at that on a normal day, that would concern you, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That, that's really concerning because he was our top receiver. But then you look, and De'Keele Shorts had three receptions for 100 yards, and Javon Durant had four for 83. It's like <laughs> you don't know what to expect from him.
0: No. <laughs> well, and, and I mean, Shorts is the guy. Shorts and Gibson basically kind of re- re- uh, flipped their roles. I mean, Shelton Gibson is usually your long ball threat. Home run hitter, and he only had 14 yards. But then you got Shorts, who I think he got most of those on that one catch um, on the touchdown drive. But still, 100 yards, that's a lot for him. Uh, moving on, I mean, let's I, – I think, honestly, the best – we know our passing game is pretty good, and we know that our running game has been very efficient. But today, against a team that cannot defend the run, we really – committed to just pounding it down their throats we averaged more than seven yards per attempt running the ball uh, it was seven seven point two yeah seven point two yards per attempt um, which basically tells me that they aren't very good in the linebacking position <laughs> and not particularly great up front <laughs> um, but shell had shell had a day at 104 yards on 21 carries two touchdowns Schuyler howard 89 yards and two touchdowns. Kennedy McCoy's, Lord, this was my favorite. This may be one of my. This is probably my second favorite stat to the Mahomes negative 47 yards uh, on four sacks. Kennedy McCoy had four rushes for 99 yards. That's a 24.8 yard per carry average.
1: He's going to be really, really good. I guess supposedly he got injured at the end, towards the end of the game. I I must have missed that I, when I was yeah, ready to I recap. I think somebody said his shoulder. Um, I haven't heard anything else about that, and what Justin Crawford was out the whole second half. Um, but I think they're. I think both it was an right. ankle
0: injury. Well, we'll see. I mean, Dana will have to update us. Uh, uh, update us. Uh, I think Texas Tech needs to reevaluate their um, field condition because because when your own players are getting hurt on it, it's not good. Um, here, here's my big question coming from this game. So we have played Texas tech now five times. Uh, we got a three and two record against him. we three. We've won three in a row actually against them, but I feel like every game we played against him has been pretty hard fought. And except for the first game, which is more just like a gut blow. <laughs> we will not want to talk any more details about that, but is this kind of a rivalry for us in the big Twelve?
1: I I think it is. Um, it has that feel, and uh, I think it's something West Virginia fans have been longing for since we joined the Big 12. Yeah. And I know when we joined, everybody said, oh, we should have a rivalry with Oklahoma. It's just, That's not happening. No. Oklahoma
0: has two rivals in the Big 12.
1: Realistically, Texas Tech is the perfect rival when you think about it. Um, I mean, the the easternmost school and the westernmost school, which I guess for now, that's for certain since expansion's dead. Um, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> if we got that, we have the history between Dana and Cliff Kingsbury, which I don't know how long Kingsbury going to be around.
0: I mean, I'll take him in Morgantown when he wants to come be just a quarterback's coach.
1: Let's do it. I, I, who, I mean, yeah, I
0: think that's definitely, we can qualify this as a rivalry game now. Um,
1: yeah. I mean, looking back at the games, of course we had the game. We won't talk about, in 2012. Um, But then after that, what there was the Josh Lambert's last second field goal. Um, Yeah. And then last year we ran all over them. Wendell Smallwood and Russell shell just ran all over them, but it was still a close game compared to this year. Um, I think it, it definitely has the makings of a rivalry.
0: Well, I think we need to play for John Denver's guitar. I think that just needs to be the trophy. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Just the guitar or the trophy that John Radcliffe made a picture for, uh, Yeah, it needs to happen. <laughs> like, there's such a good backstory. And then in in the future, people can actually say, look at it and say, why are they fighting for a John Denver? But there's a, a history there. And if there's I look, look at some of the other I schools, mean... some of the other schools play for, like, Little Brown Jug. I don't know the history behind that, honestly. But it's kind of cool. You're playing for Little Brown Jug. That's what we need. We need right. something cool like that. And the John Denver trophy would be, or his guitar, whatever whatever we would go with, it's perfect for it. It needs to I happen. I mean, if you can have Paul
0: Bunyan's axe, we can have a guitar. I
1: think that'd right. think perfectly fine. And, um, and um, if we could get this set up before next year uh, to where that trophy could be awarded in Morgantown, it would be the 20th anniversary of John Denver's death. So that, that's, like, perfect. It, it, all the, the signs are there. It needs to happen.
0: All right, listen. Shane Lyons and whomever the athletic director is of Texas Tech, we're going to make this happen. It's just going to happen. We might have to do this as a – I mean, we have a Riot Bowl trophy for the game between us and Iowa State that is literally just a gasoline can that we put Riot ball on. But we need to have a real, legit trophy. I don't care if it's a fan trophy. We need to have a legit trophy. Uh, I t- – yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I think we need to find that team that we just kind of hate for no reason other than we hate them. I mean, and I think Texas Tech, there are a couple of reasons why we actually could hate them. I mean, clean, good, old-fashioned hate. That's what we call the rivalry here in Georgia between Georgia and Georgia Tech. They just hate each other. There's nothing wrong with that. You need that in college football. We got to find a team that we hate. But it's not Texas, that's not Texas and Oklahoma because every other team in the Big 12 – Hates Texas and Oklahoma.
1: It would be really cool if we could get Texas Tech to the uh, the Thanksgiving week game and fill oh, that, that spot. Would be nice. That's a, that's a good week to hate.
0: I mean, that's Hate Week everywhere else in college football.
1: Right. I mean, we do have Iowa State that week, so
0: we're, if we want to do, we're gonna go.
1: Ever. We're gonna go give thanks and eat a bunch of turkey, and then we're gonna hate. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's like. American right there, let me tell you. Uh, that you, is, you don't is get more American. <laughs> Alright, well my final thought is I like the uniform combination. I kind of like that. I love white. It. I like the gold, white, gold. I think that's cool. It's my second favorite away white combo. I still like the all-whites, but you know, that's kind of... I, I don't want to say it's done too much nowadays, but I think it is done too much nowadays. I think that was a very distinguished look we had out there. I liked it.
1: I like it other than the record that's attached to it of course if you're superstitious you you know read into all that stuff all oh, that well <sighs> i think we've had yeah. one win with those jerseys or that uniform we have a winning record with the appalachian tiger uniform combination i really tiger. like that name
0: I do, too. I, do too. I do too i do too
1: and if you don't know where we got that
0: name, the name then go figure it out yourself all right. I think that wraps up part one. Um, I think we've talked all we can about the Texas Tech win. It was a good win. The Mountaineers are now 5-0 and in the season, 2-0 and in the conference. We are ranked 12th in the AP poll, 13th in the coaches poll. So for everyone who has been clamoring for us to be rated higher, you now have your wish and shut up. And we will now move on to part two where we're going to interview Melissa Treewasser of Frogs of War, the TCU SB Nation site. So uh, take a break and uh, join us on the other side. back to part 2 of the smoking musket podcast this is Bart Keeler i'm joined with Mike Miller and we are joined with the wonderful and lovely Melissa Treewasser from Frogs of War the TCU SB Nation site and just all around historian of TCU sports Melissa how are you tonight
2: well first of all i have to say Bart major credit to you because you did not ask me how to pronounce my last name before we came on air and you nailed it so you started the evening with an a plus and i'm duly and in- duly impressed
0: Good. I'm, look, top marks is what I aim for in school. That's actually not <laughs> all that's true, but we'll pretend it is.
2: <laughs> well, I like it. Regardless, I'm very happy to be on with you guys. Really looking forward to this weekend and making my first trip in person to Morgantown.
0: I know. I'm sad. This was one of the games that I was trying to get to when at the when the season started. Um, I'm sad I'm not making the trip, but I know some other people who will be there and they'll be w- very glad to welcome you to Morgantown.
2: Well, I cannot wait to uh, burn something down and/or uh, drink myself silly over a loss this weekend. One of the two things will happen.
0: <laughs> we we never do that in Morgantown. I don't know what you're talking about. I
2: mean, I'm bringing my own whiskey, so I feel like this is a party waiting to happen.
0: You're. <laughs> You're on the right track.
2: <laughs> That's, what I That's what I thought. I also feel like I can be a little more free on y'all's podcast than I can on ours because oh, I yeah. have a lot of people I know uh, listen to West Virginia stuff. So I feel like I'm kind of, you know, maybe a little bit off the hook to be myself.
0: Well, also, also, maybe straight. I've
2: been drinking tonight. It's been a rough Monday. So things could get real exciting early.
0: I, hey, I'm okay with that. We're not exactly <laughs> the most professional on here anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, So what's the general feeling right now around TCU football?
2: Uh, You know, if if you could uh, light a match, I'm pretty sure the place would explode uh, among the fan base. We have been incredibly spoiled the last uh, couple of years, obviously, uh, having Trayvon Boykin and Josh Jackson and Aaron Green and a lot of senior leadership, um, especially Derek Kindred on the defense. And. Uh, Coming out 4-2 and when the preseason expectations were that this program had turned the corner to becoming a we reload, not rebuild, has been a bit tough for TCU fans to take. Um, That being said, when you look at the team in and of itself and you really take the purple-colored glasses off, we're actually in a pretty good spot for how young this group is. Replacing our all-world quarterback, replacing our all-world wide receiver, and replacing a really, really good running back, too. So. Uh, It's it's been a good time for the bye week. I I think the fans needed it probably just as much as the team. And I I think we're all kind of hoping that we see the type of team that we expected coming into next weekend, although we're very, very aware of how good West Virginia is and how hard it is to play in Morgantown. So there's a uh, trepid anticipation, I guess is what I'd call it at this point. But it's uh, coated in a healthy dose of uh, fear and a (laughs) severe lack of optimism. So it's, it's a really good time to be a horn Frog, uh, but we still love TCU football. It's just, uh, it's it's hurting our hearts a little bit this year. Oh, man. You guys know, you know this, you know what it's like to be <laughs> West Virginia has been here before, so it's it's just been, it's been rough. But, you know, it's, you look at all the plays that could have been and how close we are to being 6-0, and and I think that just little dagger in the heart it hurts a little bit more.
0: Yeah, I mean, four and two on the season. When you look at the two teams you lost to, it's only Oklahoma and, and Arkansas. So it's not like you know you can't look at that and go, uh, "Can't we believe we lost to like Kansas?" Oh. Hey,
2: hey, whoa, whoa, too, <laughs> soon. too soon, too soon, guys, too soon.
0: <laughs> but I mean, I mean, honestly, you look at the TCU. In my opinion, and you look at it and go, "Oh, okay." So four and two, you're breaking in a lot of new players, like you said. I think. From our standpoint, it's still a lot to be feared. Um, now, I will have to say, you're coming off of a bye week. So in past, what, how do you feel like your teams can do after a bye week?
2: You know, I think Gary Patterson is, is well known as is one of the best adjusters in the sport. And that's why TCU has been able to be successful through the 37 conferences we've joined since 1997. Um, is that he's a guy who can take different players and different pieces and not only has the, uh, the football mind to move guys around, but enough, enough of an understanding of his own ego to do so as well. And so, uh, we seem to play well coming off of a bye week and this team more than others has really needed to step back off the field and take a hard look at themselves, you know, in the film room, on the practice fields and, and just really in the mirror, um, you know, I think you're right. TCU is, is a, it still has a ton of talent, and they're still, it's still a potentially a really good football team. They just haven't found themselves yet. And so I think the expectations in Fort Worth are pretty high. But coming off of the bye week, Patterson will have made the adjustments he needs to on defense, um, whether that's rolling out a little bit more safety help, um, over the top of our cornerbacks who have been just absolutely abused through the earlier part of the season, whether that's figuring out a way to uh, get more blitzes, to put more pressure on opposing quarterbacks, or whether that's maybe sitting down our good friends Doug Meacham and Sonny Cumbie in the meeting room and saying, give the ball to Kyle Hicks 30 times a game, and the end of conversation. I, I do think we expect to see a little bit of a turnaround here. Um, you know, I, I think I said in, in our pod, and something I wrote last couple weeks here that, I would be neither surprised that TCU went 6-0 or, or on 6 for the second half of the season. Um, but we're going to know a lot about what type of team this can be for the second half based on how they show up Saturday afternoon. I expect them to have a lot more fight in them than they've had through the first six games and and hopefully to to play with a little bit more of an edge that we just haven't seen from this really young team.
0: Again, this is the Smoking Musket podcast. You are listening to the voice of Melissa Trebowasser, Frogs of War uh, contributor, She is here breaking down the TCU Horned Frogs for us. They come to Morgantown on Saturday, October 22nd. That game will kick off at 3.30, and we are featured on ABC. Uh, So it's going to be a great atmosphere, I'm sure, in Morgantown as a team that we have had a lot of recent history with. I mean, it's been interesting that these games have all been pretty competitive. Even last year, I felt like it was more competitive than the scoreline showed. Um, But the big key... To this game, in my opinion, is that you're replacing this guy named Trevon Boykin. It, was he was all right, I suppose.
2: Uh, yeah, uh, he, he's okay. He's cool. <laughs> uh, and you have
0: the, the September Heisman, um, Kenny Hill. Oh
2: God, has he, <laughs>
0: uh,
1: has he? I think you mean Kenny Kenny Trill.
2: No, 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 no. Trill. No. We left Kenny Trill in College Station where it belongs. Well,
0: I mean, obviously you lost some talent. So how has Kenny Hill and, you know, your other bevy of wide receivers and, and running backs, how have they been able to replace the, I mean, really the three stars you lost from last season?
2: I mean, the short answer is that they haven't. And and that's really what's been lacking. I mean, this team is still putting up a ton of points, but they're doing it in, I hate to even say like a less dynamic way. It just doesn't feel the same. And Kenny Hill uh, is an incredible athlete who is a pretty good quarterback, um, but showed a lot of the rust that comes from not playing 18, for 18 months, as well as some of the like, sludge that you know, just comes from spending too much time in College Station. So I think that was holding him back a little bit. Um, I don't know if maybe if he still had the overalls on underneath his uniform or, you know, oh, maybe you there was a little, a
0: little bit hickish down on College Station. What?
2: No, I mean, I, you know, maybe they had hypnotized them with some of their, you know, sand colt stuff they do down there. I, I don't know. Like, I'm just hoping he's shaking some of that off here over the bye week um, and that he, he he just settles into being the quarterback that he's capable of being um, his ceiling. You know, some people want to argue that his ceiling is Trayvon Boykin. I'm not 100% sure I believe that. I do think he can be a lot better of a quarterback than he has been. Um, the issue that I'm seeing with him is he just doesn't feel comfortable in the pocket. And the guy that I kind of compare him to right now is Ryan Tannehill. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> another A&M quarterback. But a guy who who doesn't seem real comfortable, a little bit indecisive on when he should take off and when he should stand tall in the pocket. And, you know, if he, he doesn't get his first read sometimes he struggles to either make the second read or to put the ball where it needs to when he has to get to that second and third read. If you can get a wide receiver jetting down the field, he can hit that guy, and he's been really good about it. That's, that's how we got into the, back into the second half against Oklahoma. But if he mm-hmm. needs to make the short stuff, if he needs to um, you know, take something off of the ball, if he needs to make a quick decision on whether to cut and run or, or whether just to you know, relocate in the pocket to find a passing lane, he hasn't been super consistent in that area. I think he can get there, but, you know, we, he got torn into a, just an absolute vat of pressure coming out of the off season, number 13 ranking, replacing a guy that probably should have been, you know, thought of for the Heisman a little bit more than he was in 2014 and, and who was just a really dynamic player in 2015 and who, of course, got the high five from Holgo in that Thursday night game, <laughs> um, but he just doesn't seem like he settled into his role. Uh, That being said, Kyle Hicks has been everything we could hope for and more trying to replace uh, Aaron Green. He's been absolutely dynamic. We just don't give him the ball enough, in our opinion, most of our opinion here in Fort Worth. (laughs) Um, And wide receiver, there there is a ton of talented options. But I don't know that there's a guy that Kenny thinks, hey, it's third and six and I've got to get a first down. This is who I'm looking for, first and foremost. And that can be a blessing and that the defense doesn't know who to cover. And it can be a curse because now you're asking a guy to make a decision out of four or five options instead of being able to say, here's my first read and here's the guy I know I can go to if all else fails. And and I think we're still establishing who that person can be, though I do think there are probably two really good options in John DeArche and Taz Williams. And if Devontae mm. Turpin comes back Saturday, which the rumor is he maybe, that changes <laughs> absolutely everything for TCU. All right, you
1: mentioned uh, Kyle Hicks. How do you how would you grade the running game?
2: Uh, how would I grade the running game, or how would I grade uh, Kyle Hicks? Because Kyle Hicks gets an A plus in my book. Uh, the running game is severely held back by the offensive line. Um, they are really, really good at one thing, but unfortunately, that thing is holding. Um, they may be <laughs> third in all of the Big 12. Uh, it's been really fun to watch, and they really are good at doing it on big momentum changing plays. So it's a skill. Um, it's really hard to know when the worst possible time is to get a 10-yard penalty, but they seem to find it consistently. So hats off to them. Um, the best part about it is mostly it's led by our only senior on the line, Um so, you know, like I said, it's just been really fun uh, to watch them play. Uh, Austin Slotman went down against SMU with a, some kind of unknown ankle injury. He may come back. That'll make a huge difference on the line. Um, but mostly it's just been the lack of touches. Uh, Kyle Hicks has been outstanding. This kid is dynamic. He gets it uh, from an understanding of when to go uh, north-south versus when he needs to bounce around and find the hole. He's patient. He's fast. He's got, you know, game-breaking type speed. Uh, but he's also pretty powerful and can break tackles. Uh, Travoris Johnson is a kid who has spent the first half um, of his TCU career severely planted in Gary Patterson's doghouse for whatever reason. Um, but when they've given him the ball this year, and it has not been enough, he has been dynamite. Uh, he is a, uh, he's a tank. He looks like Eddie Lacey uh, for the green Bay Packers. He's that big, but has that kind of, uh, you know, quick feet and ability to hurdle guys and run guys over too. He's really fun to watch. So, The problem has been is they just don't want to run the ball in the second half. And part of that's been because uh, TCU only plays two quarters. (laughs) So um, when you are down by, you know, two, three scores after the first half, it's hard to trust your running game to use that to get back into it. But in the college game, there's no reason to. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what they can do against a pretty dynamic West Virginia front. Um, Is that offensive line going to be able to create space for the running game? Uh, Is it? are the play callers going to trust the running game, even if things get shut down early, because, you know, like any good um, offense, it, it's just so much, there's so much more effective in the second half of a football game. Um, but we just haven't seen them use it consistently. And I'm interested to see maybe, uh, you know, in Morgantown, if that's a direction that they go, not only to, to eat up chunks of yardage, but to give the defense a chance to stay off the field, because that's really been the biggest issue. Hmm.
1: Right, your defense, um, your defense has been good against teams you'd expect. Uh, I think you're holding your opponents to an average of under 30 points per game. But is it as bad as the uh, the Oklahoma game, or is it as good as the uh, SMU game?
2: It's not as good as the SMU game. Um, it's it's not a, it's not a group that's going to hold guys to three points. Um, is SMU that just that bad? Yeah, SMU is really that bad. Um, I, you know Let's all shed a tear for them not making the cut for the Big 12 today. Um, sure. Okay, I'm good. Uh, they're really bad, especially because they had just lost their uh, stud quarterback like two weeks prior, and so I don't really count that game as anything but just a chance to get a win. Um, you know, it's really hard to say. Uh, we've had so many high expectations for Gary Patterson-led defenses throughout the years that – seeing a team that's given up 30-something points a game, uh, 40 points a game, 50 points a game into some of these better teams has, has kind of left us dumbfounded, to be honest. Uh, I don't think they're that bad. I think that Anthony Tejada, coming off of a devastating knee injury a year ago, has really, he just hasn't gotten back up to speed. He's not 100% out there. Uh, Kenny Aloka blew out his knee um, in a blowout against SFA, covered a punt last year. He hasn't gotten back on the field. Uh, and what he's really brings is leadership and him not being on the field. Isn't as, It's as much about the way that he uh, diagrams plays and he gets guys into the right spots. And he, he acts as Gary Patterson's voice on the field. That's been missing as much as his sheer ability to cover people too. Cause I don't know if you've watched a lot of TC defense, but uh, hmm. watching the way that uh, the younger, the younger white out there for uh, West Virginia tore up Texas tech. Um, I'm, I think that ran Tejada Denzel Johnson uh, Nick Orr, Nico Small, if they are watching game tape, they're having nightmares of him just running past them and not seeing anything but just a blur of, you know, blue <laughs> and gold. So uh, that scares me. It scares me a little bit with what the Virginia's attack. Um, I do think they've shown signs of improvement the last couple of weeks. Uh, they did a really good job against um, Alan Lazard at Iowa State and against Cortland mm-hmm. Sutton at SMU uh, and against um, – uh, I cannot remember the name of the guy, but but – Kansas actually has a pretty good wide receiver. I can't remember his name. He's pretty good. Uh, really? And if, yeah. Like, this, is that, insi- that, this is insightful. Yeah. If they had, um, if they had a, a, like a quarterback and yeah, they're actually the kid that they went to, he looks like he's going to be legit. Like Kansas might not be embarrassing next year. I haven't mm. decided. You also can't count anything Kansas does against TCU because even in 2014, when we were really, really good, it took Cam Echols looper, bringing back a punt in the fourth quarter for us to beat Kansas. I, I just don't, I don't understand Kansas. Um, but you, you know they're they're showing signs, and again, having that extra week of film and practice and rest, I expect them to perform better against West Virginia. That being said, West Virginia offense looked all world against Texas Tech, and of course, I think I could roll out the high school where I work out's offense against Texas Tech, and they could probably put down thirty five points. So hard <laughs> to say, um, but I, I think it's I think it's gonna this is gonna be a shootout. I don't think we can stop the Mountaineers enough to not have to go and put forty five points on the board ourselves. <laughs>
0: Uh, Again, this is Melissa Treboiser joining us on the Smoking Musket podcast. She is breaking down TCU as we get prepared for the game this Saturday in Morgantown. Uh, Switching gears a little bit, let's talk about the Big 12 as a whole. Um, First major question, why is Baylor allowed to win football games this year?
2: You know, I used to believe in the football gods. I used to believe in a thing called karma, and I am really questioning the existence of both uh, this year. So they're either setting us up for some huge like Baylor is going to fall off the face of the planet and lose their last six games. Or we might as well just welcome our new uh, overlords from Waco and watch them go undefeated and me completely quit on college football altogether. Uh, <laughs> Seth Russell is really good. Katie Cannon's really good. That guy who likes to beat up dogs has a second skill. Uh, <laughs> apparently it's catching the football. So um, I don't I don't want to know what his third skill is honestly. So uh, it, it's it's just not fair. And and I'm I'm really debating uh, going to Waco or not because I'll wait and see how we do the next two weeks. But I don't think I could travel down to that place, give them my money with the way that their athletics department is being run, and then watch them beat us. So uh, it's a it's a disturbing trend. The old Baylor still is good after everything that they uh, managed to accomplished down there in Waco over the last six months. And uh, just the the fact that karma apparently is not um, huh. the B word that we're supposed to say that she is. <laughs> or at least not yet. Uh,
0: not yet. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you on that. It's like, why are they good? Oh, wait, they still got to keep everybody that mattered, yeah. except for the yeah. one guy who was in charge of it all.
2: Hey, but you know what? Write that CAB on your hands, Kendall. And go ahead, Baylor student section. Keep cheering. Yeah. We want Briles back because yeah. that tells us... Everything we need to know about your athletics program
0: and your university as a whole.
2: Yeah, you're uh, a coach. <laughs> yeah, it's lacking.
0: Is Oklahoma really the favorite to win the Big Twelve? Because no. despite Baylor being three and in the conference and six and zero, and us being two and zero and five and zero, Oklahoma seems to still be the favorite.
2: I, I don't think Oklahoma is that good. I mean, they're good. I don't think they're that good. I think they can lose any given week. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that that OU has to go to Morgantown, um, and I don't want to give you guys the kiss of death here, but I can tell you this. I will be rooting hard for TCU Saturday afternoon and really, really hard for West Virginia the rest of the way. Well, um, <laughs> I think, yeah, I mean, I think, I think things line up well for the Mountaineers. Um, you know, you've got OU coming to town, and, and I don't trust that offense, especially if Piran is missing any time. Um, you know, another one of the class characters of the Big 12, Joe Mixon, has had a really good season. Um, but, again, let's hope that that whole uh, karma thing, you know, finds its way to, to work its way back into the discussion here. Um, but I, I don't trust their defense. Their corners are really, really bad. Uh, the defensive line is average. The offensive line is average. Baker Mayfield can still go out and win games on his own. But, you know, if you're a fan of a team not named Oklahoma, you hope that that's what he tries to do. And yeah. I would not be surprised at all if he his ego – trips him up this Saturday in, in Lubbock or against Texas Tech. I think he's going to Lubbock.
0: Yeah, I'm, they go to Lubbock.
2: Yeah, so that, you know, Texas Tech got just, you know, just whipped last week. They, they should be licking their wounds. Um, there was definitely embarrassment um, uh, on the face of the players and coaching staff. I expect a little bit more fight out of them Saturday. And, and if there's a team that they want to beat more than anybody this year, it is 100% Oklahoma. So, They can win every week. They can lose every week. Uh, Nothing would really surprise me. I don't think they're the best team in the conference. I think the most complete performance we've seen this year is from West Virginia, which is something I hate to say with uh, with us rolling into town here this weekend. But uh, the things that 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 team does on both sides of the ball, um, you know, I think they're they're consist. They've consistently shown that that they can beat you with offense. They can beat you with defense. And if they can put them both together like they did last Saturday. Uh, it's going to be really, really tough for Oklahoma to win in November in Morgantown. And, and I'll be uh, cheering hard for the Mountaineers that day.
0: Well, you broke rule number one of a good WVU team. You're not supposed to talk about a good WWE team. I know. <laughs>
2: I, I know. Don't think I don't know exactly what I'm doing here with TCU coming to town in a couple of days. I, I mean, I, I would sure, I love being the underdog. It'd be nice to roll in and uh, keep that uh, road winning streak alive for TCU.
1: All right. And last question, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't ask this, I got to get your hot take on it with the news coming out today. Should the big 12 have expanded?
2: I didn't like the options. Um, I don't know that reaching for Cincinnati or, I mean, I, I had so many other issues with BYU, um, as a team in Texas, uh, Everyone, you know, all the Houston fans always want to say, oh, you're scared of Houston. I'm not scared of Houston. I just don't want to recruit against you if I don't have to as a, as a TCU fan. Uh, right. That's a real negative um, for TCU. It's a huge negative for Oklahoma State, uh, which, you know, mines the Texas pipeline heavily. It's a huge negative for Kansas State that re- that relies on a couple of Texas recruits a year. Um, the bonus would be, it be a huge negative for Baylor too, but, yes. um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, a, three, three and one here kind of a deal. Um, so I don't want Houston to join the big 12. Of course not. I also don't want Tom Herman to end up at Texas. So it's, it's kind of a lose, lose here as a, as a fan of a university in Texas. Mm. But, uh, you know, if it couldn't, there were teams that had selfish reasons for wanting to see join, but at the end of the day, I think the big 12 did the right thing for the moment. Um, the way they handled it could not have been more embarrassing for the conference. You don't ask those, those programs to spend their time and their money to make a pitch when, let's be honest, the minute that Fox and ESPN said, we don't want you to expand, expansion was dead. Uh, right. So I'm disappointed in the leadership once again, but that's kind of par for the course. I think as long as the Longhorn Network is a thing, this conference is 100% doomed. Um, and the fact that Borin said that nobody wanted to leave today makes, you know, full well that Oklahoma, which I, I wrote in our article today, you know, flirts with every pretty girl at the, uh, at the party, you know, they're talking to the Pac-12 and the Big Ten and the SEC and it's like, it's nobody's business. So I'm worried, you know, I, I think West Virginia is probably in a good spot with an ACC, you know, bid opening up if need be. TCU has done everything right and yet could still absolutely be on the outside looking in. And, and it concerns me. Um, I don't know what our future is without the big 12, but I'm fairly confident that the big 12 is probably not in our future. And mm-hmm. so uh, this is a, this is a league that does everything wrong, piles up money. And at the end of the day, OU and Texas dominate it and will walk away scot-free and the rest of us will be less scrambling and, it's not a real, it's not a real bright future, but that being said, really, really glad we didn't open the doors to um, Houston. Uh, you know, for for ethical reasons that Jamie and I have gone into and at length on our podcast. Um, I think leaving BYU out until they make some adjustments to their conduct code was the right thing to do. Uh, Cincinnati, I thought, was the strongest candidate of all the available, and Colorado State, I think, would have been fun just to reunite that rivalry, but didn't make, make a lot of sense for any reason but that. So. Um, Thanks for nothing, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> uh, appreciate you, buddy. We'll we'll see you. You know, three weeks from now, when Baylor has another scandal, and you need to pull attention away from uh, them once again, because I think that's all. Expansion might have been a.
0: <laughs> Man, that's a good take. good
1: take. Hashtag ask questions.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so before we get you out of here, I feel like you should be able to ask us questions about Morgantown, since. Yeah. You're- for the first time so first time so any questions you have for us about the great city of Morgantown West Virginia
2: yes so absolutely so so first and foremost I need to know like how obnoxious of a TCU fan can I be before somebody wants to hit me
0: you can be a nice TCU fan and no one will hit you
2: okay I feel like we've had a really good relationship you know, West Virginia and TCU, despite the fact we break each other's hearts on a fairly regular basis, I have never wanted to slap a Mountaineer fan on top of the head, ever. The so only just...
0: people who I've really felt ill will against were Baylor fans, yeah. because they have this, they're, they're new money and I don't like it, um, and Kansas <laughs> State fans, because I said some not nasty things about us before we joined the conference about, like, our state as a whole, and I'm like, you're in Kansas. Yeah, but yeah, right? but other than that I mean no you can you're allowed to cheer and hoot and holler that's fine you know okay,
2: good, good. I sat I very purposely bought a really really overpriced ticket behind the TCU bench so that I, I felt like I, at least I was protected by a lot of football oh, players. Yeah, yeah.
0: you're totally yeah that'll be okay
2: so okay and then like if there is one so I keep seeing these like as I'm checking out places where to eat and everything I keep seeing these things called a pepperoni roll and I feel like I need to know more
0: it's kind of it <laughs> It's just, it's just
2: rolled pepperoni
0: <laughs> it's well it's pepperoni and mozzarella cheese
2: okay
0: uh baked in bread dough
2: oh man i'm so that's and yeah
0: that's you pepperoni. can literally pick them up at any gas station once you get into morgantown wow okay, okay. so the, like if you go to a, the best more, the best gas station to go to is probably sheets because you can get food there as well and i don't mean like gas station hot dog food i mean like actual food i'm not saying it's great just saying it's like a fast food restaurant and a gas station together so sheets, you can get a single pepperoni roll you can get a dozen pepperoni rolls
2: wow this is i feel like this is important information and then the last thing is like tell me just give me like like a sentence on how real is this moonshine thing and what do i need to try when i'm there
0: well, Mike lives in West Virginia, so I'll let him take that one right
1: now. <laughs> um, it's pretty legit. If you can get your hands on, I suggest the, the Apple Pie Moonshine. Apple it's pie a, it's like a classic. That. It's a go-to. Yeah, that's, that's the go-to um, for anybody really new to it. It's, I try to stay away from just the clear because it does terrible no. things <laughs> to you. <laughs> it, it's it, not. It, it's you not. don't want to do the clear, no. Good but, good. Uh, yeah, if you get your hands on, you can probably just walk around the blue lot and somebody will have it.
2: Awesome. And then, and then my last question is, win or lose, no matter what, like, I really want to sing John Denver at the end. Is it acceptable as an opposing fan to go ahead and sing along with the crowd?
0: Yes, and then we'll probably still sing it later on that night if you go out to a bar.
2: Okay, so perfect. Good like,
0: idea. even if we lose and we don't play, you'll, you'll hear it that night. Okay. And before the game.
2: And that's, probably that's... if you fly it on Friday. Perfect. Yes. And that's, and that's the plan. So that's, I think that is, uh, that's probably what I'm looking forward to most. So um, that's, yeah, I just, I just want to sing, uh, uh, you know, take me home country roads, the place I belong. It's also of my first trip to West Virginia. I'm marking a new state off the book. So this is just an exciting day all around. I think it's uh, number 42 for me. So I'm getting real close.
0: I don't have any other questions for you. Do You have any questions for us?
2: Uh, okay, wait. So I want to know because I'm hopeful to have you, Bart, um, on our podcast here later this week. But you know, while we're on yours, like, can we can we do? Do you guys do predictions? Is that is that a thing?
0: We'll do a prediction with you. Okay,
2: let's do a prediction. So let's okay. let's go around the room. I'll let I'll let <laughs> my <laughs> hosts go first here.
0: Mike, who, what's your prediction for this game?
1: Oh man, I really haven't I thought about it. I try not to think about it. Um, <laughs> 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 don't say pain. <laughs> I think it's going to be closer than I want it to be. Um, I'm thinking 28, 24, or something. It's, it's just going to be. It's going to be one of those games where I'm up halfway through the game, behind the end zone, doing the surrender cobra because I'm pulling my <laughs> hair out and probably look like Dana Holgerson at the end of it. Then I'll chug. Uh, I'll just chug down a Red Bull real quick after we score a touchdown.
0: <laughs> that i don't know if you saw that that was on tv the other uh yesterday or what was it saturday where...
2: i saw i think on twitter like him just chugging a red, <laughs> bowl, right? red bull right i
0: don't know what more you want
2: i'm honestly so glad that you guys are doing well mostly because i didn't want holgo to get canned like he needs to be at west virginia for all eternity like he needs to die That's on insane. the sideline there at 97 years old like it's just yeah. the perfect fit
0: I'm glad I'm glad you think that because there are a lot of Mountaineer fans who ha- are not sold on him yet.
2: There, there are people calling for Gary Patterson's head this year. Like, fans are idiots. Like That's what we really need to just be understanding <laughs> of. We're all, like, we all think we know what we're talking about, but at the end of the day, we can be kind of morons too. And that's okay. That's why they're called fanatics, right?
0: That, that is true. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be a little bit higher scoring. I think that our defense is good, but I do think that TCU has, especially coming off of a bye week, has the ability to put up some points. So I think it'll be something more like 37 to 30 or something in that range where, you know, we're going to have some stops, but there are going to be some points put up.
2: It always feels like when this game is supposed to be a shootout, it's not. That's true. And so with you is guys... Is that a going... shootout
0: by Big 12 standards? 37 to 30? is that Oh no,
2: gosh, that's like Big 10 numbers comparatively. <laughs> uh, which, God, have you watched Big 10 football? Like, why are people so into that? I just, I don't understand. Um, I
1: try
2: not I, to I, it's awful <laughs>
1: like,
2: I mean i watched that Wisconsin Ohio State game and the whole time I was thinking this is good football huh? interesting I never knew um, I'm, I'm going to go a little bit higher scoring I'm going to go like 41-38 and though Jaden Oberkram no longer dresses out in the purple and white uh, though he does start his own kicking academy in Fort Worth and my students are doing the marketing for him so I get to hang out with him all the time which is awesome um, that's a whole other story But uh, I think I think Brandon Hatfield is going to have a second game-winning field goal in uh, in a row here, and and he's going to knock it through for another another just heartbreak in Morgantown. Because I can't pick against my team. I don't know how confident that pick is, but I can't pick against that.
0: I understand that.
2: Yeah, you just you can't do it. You can't do it. I never. I won't do it until they they tell me that I'm supposed to. And I haven't really had to pick against them since like 2013. So that's what we're going with. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on uh, again. That was Melissa Treublaser from Frogs of War, our sister brother, whatever you want to call it, site on SB Nation. They are great. They have a very funny Twitter account as well. So give them a follow, uh, Melissa. Thank you very much for coming out. You can follow her on Twitter at the Coach Melissa. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm very excited for you to come up to, to Morgantown, and I hope to hear all about it.
2: Absolutely. I will be. Uh, I'm sure that I'll be tweeting like crazy and. Uh, maybe they'll even let me run the frogs of war twitter in game uh depending on how things go which could which is always you always know when it's me there's a lot of gifts involved when i'm running that the twitter gift game is on point <laughs> my by gift the way. game is on fleek yeah it's it's pretty solid when it's funny it's usually jamie when it's like you're like oh, i'm not sure if this is funny or not that's usually me but <laughs> i try really hard
0: <laughs> well thank you very much for coming on we'll let you get back to uh, your evening and uh, we look forward to seeing you and the Horned Frogs in Morgantown on Saturday.
2: Go Frogs!
1: Almost heaven, West Virginia, Blue Ridge Mountains, Shenandoah River. Hi, like Goddards, no welcome
0: back. This is part three of the Smoking no Musket tree. podcast. I uh, want to thank again Melissa Treeblosser from Frogs of War. Uh, Great friend of the show. Great people over there at the SB Nation uh, Nation site. Uh, Mike, we got a lot of information about TCU. Um, Let's kind of break down what we think is going to happen in this game. Again, this game is going to be on Saturday, October 22nd. It's going to happen at 3.30 p.m., when the five and zero West Virginia Mountaineers will host the four and two TCU Horn Frogs at Milan Puskar Stadium at Mountaineer Field, the game will be broadcasted on ABC. Uh, WV is two and zero in the Big Twelve. TCU is two and one in the Big Twelve. Their only losses to Oklahoma. What do you think of this game, right now?
1: I have that apprehensive feeling about it. That's, that's the best way to describe it. Because um, I, I really don't know what to expect.
0: I think what I, I'm with you, I'm apprehensive for a couple of reasons. One, this is that perfect game that WVU seems to always have after we get rated really highly, and then all of a sudden we actually have to play a real opponent. I think when what, what I'm looking at this game, I look at who TCU has played and who they've lost to. And kind of how they lost. I mean, they they're four and two. They beat they've beaten South Dakota State, an, F, an FCS team, but a good FCS team. Uh, they beat um, SMU, not a great not a great football team. They really struggled against Kansas and needed Kansas to miss a field goal in the dying seconds to win that game in Lawrence. Uh, and they beat Iowa State, who. Is kind of figuring things out, but as we saw against Texas last week, not there yet. But their losses are to are Arkansas and Oklahoma, and I think those two teams are more like what WVU is going to throw at TCU. Um, but yeah, I, I, I feel like we are matchup-wise a little bit more like Arkansas or Oklahoma in that we have a balanced attack. We're pretty good at we're pretty good at running the ball. We're pretty good at throwing the ball. We're not great at either one, but I think we're better than the teams that. They've come up against. I mean, Oklahoma, a very good running team when they want to be. Arkansas is kind of a weird identity crisis where they are supposed to be running the football, but they don't do it as much as they should. Uh, I just I feel like we're the best defense they've come up against so far, and that's just statistically speaking. We've got better numbers than a lot of the other teams they played.
1: Well, I think we're like the the number two scoring defense in the country. I think I saw that um, the other day, and. I think if if Justin Crawford is healthy and is able to play, which I really hope he is, I will feel a lot better about this game. Because um, I don't. I, if Crawford and McCoy are out, then it's all on Russell Shell, and I, I, he's a great player, but he doesn't have he doesn't have the burst, I guess, that, that those other two guys have. And I think that's something we need. We need the power run, and then we need to have that, that quick guy that can hit the hole and just smoke you, just run right past you. And we have that with Crawford and McCoy, so we need both of those guys to to keep the, the balance going, I think.
0: Well, I mean, obviously that's, I think, been the key to our running success is that you have Shell, who has turned into a bit of more of a bruising back, where he's okay with taking the two, three-yard gains. And then you have Crawford or McCoy, who can have the big, quick hitter. Um I don't, I don't think I, I don't know. We won't know until Dana tells us. But I don't really feel like the McCoy injury will be that big of a deal unless it's a real injury to his shoulder. Um, obviously, with Crawford and an ankle injury, that's a little bit more um, impactful when it comes to you know being a running back. But hopefully, it's just a they fell hard on the turf and they'll be okay. But I agree. That's kind of the one place where it's like, oh boy, we can't have both of them. I don't like having just one of them out, but I we definitely can have both of them out and that's that won't be good for us.
1: Yeah, absolutely not. Um what I guess if they're out we might see Martel Petaway as the the second running back. I don't yeah. I know who he would put in there. That would that would burn a red shirt though, so I don't think he would do that. Javon so Durant's might... gonna be the
0: running back. La <laughs> Elijah Kayon Wellman
1: Austin. Can we just talk about that for a minute? Can we talk about the Tavon touch pass working for the first time since it finally worked? It it worked. (laughs) I got so excited about that. I know. It it was. Durant is
0: has always been the. I mean, he's the heir apparent to what Tavon was when Dana had him. You give Dana a fast guy who can who can make some moves. He'll figure out a way to get him some yards and get him in the end zone. Javon hasn't figured it out yet, but he's only a sophomore. That was the first – like, he's – the past three weeks or three games, I've been like, oh, maybe this kid actually can play ball.
1: I, something clicked on that first play yeah. week. I don't know what it was because the first two games, I, I was ready to say bench him, start somebody else. or but something, turned, something came on. I don't know what Dana did. I don't know what – uh, any of the assistant coaches did, but so he, he, he flipped a switch. Um, and he's kind of impressed me the last three weeks. And I, I just, I love seeing the Tavon touch pass work. It's such a good play.
0: It's such a fun play to watch. It's like, Oh, Hey, then we did that. And then he's down the field 30 yards and I'm like, Oh, we really did that. I like it. <laughs> um, I think defensively we match up pretty well. I think as Melissa was saying, I don't think they're, the one thing that we've been pretty good against, say for like a couple times against Texas Tech, we haven't given up a lot of deep balls. If we've given up big plays, it's usually an underneath pass that like we missed a, um, a tackle or two. Even the one that really stands out was the the um, touchdown that Youngstown State scored on us. And to me, that was a, a, a quarterback just missed – Played the ball and then missed a tackle and that led to a touchdown but other than that we've right. done a pretty good job of defending that and that's kind of what TCU's offense is, is grounded in is, is they can rely on a kind of a deep pass and as you said Kenny Hill hasn't been great throwing those underneath passes or throwing those you know more accuracy required passes and I think that's what we do a pretty good job of containing in terms of okay you can catch the ball but we're going to tap you right then and there um, so we'll give him that all night long, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, and, and, have and that. Kenny Hill, Kenny Hill threw three picks against Kansas. Kansas. Yep. <laughs> uh, just Kenny Trill. That's that's what he'll always be. I I love that he trademarked that name and then just shit the bed.
0: <laughs> September Heisman.
1: September. And I do want to point out. I was looking at his stats.
0: And they're not like super different, but his first week, his first October game was against Oklahoma and he actually didn't do terribly in the second half. He didn't have a great first half, but that last week, the October 8th game against Kansas, his stat line was terrible. You mentioned the three picks. He only had like 210 yards passing and that was against a defense that I think I I will give Kansas some credit. I think Kansas is much improved this year. But I have to think that we have a better defense than Kansas and have a better opportun a better chance of you know forcing turnovers out of TCU than Kansas.
1: I, w- I would think so. Um Um Yeah. I would hope that so. that's that secondary yeah, yeah. The our secondary there's just something about them. I I don't know. They they don't quit. <laughs> I love it. They just have a, a nose for the ball, it seems like.
0: I like I like how they're I like how they rallied the ball. I think that's the thing that, and especially in the Big Twelve, you you're gonna give up big plays or you're gonna give up those kind of longer passes, but you have to recover and you have to make tackles quickly after that happens. And we usually have two three guys who are rallying the ball to make that tackle real quick to not allow the play to get any bigger than it is. And if we can continue to do that against TCU, which offensively is pretty talented, but defensively I think is very susceptible. I think they're going to give up a lot of points. They have given up a decent amount of points in every game they've played. I mean, the, the only anomaly is the um, the SMU game when they gave up three points. But that was – I mean, that's, that's Southern Methodist. So I, I don't know what to make of that. I think we're going to be able to score some points. Our defense has to find a way to keep them from – at least keep them out of the
1: end zone. I'm looking back through their games here. They uh, they allowed 23 at Kansas, 52 at Oklahoma, uh, three at Southern Methodist. They let Iowa State score 20 on them, and Arkansas hung 41, and so did South Dakota State. So I I think we can score. Um, um, I think we're. I, I, I think just, we'll just, we'll just hold. Hope- oh, for sure. I just hope everything works in our favor because I know how, how we love to get overexcited about everything and then just fall apart in an embarrassing fashion.
0: Yeah. I, that's going to be the hard part, I think, if it, if it happens for Mountaineer fans is to not look at it and go, oh, my gosh, what happened? Well, we played a really good football team. I mean, at the end of the day, we're in a real football conference now. Where you have, for the most part, nine games on your schedule that are tough games. And say what you say, Will, about Kansas or Iowa State. They're still big-time conference games. I mean, shoot, I live in Georgia, and Georgia just lost to Vanderbilt on homecoming. You should have seen the devastation on their faces. I was happy. I had fun on Saturday. They did not. But – you have to come ready to play, and it does scare me a little bit that TCU is coming off of their bye week, but I don't really know, I haven't seen potential from them as a whole team to say, oh, well, coming off a of bye week, they're going to be really good. So that, I, I, don't know what to, I, don't, I don't know what to make of it. I think this is a different team than it was last year for TCU, um, and I think West Virginia is a better version of what we were last year.
1: Yeah, I'd say that's fair. Um, I I think my my head tells me it should be fairly easy. Um, my something else in me is saying that it's it's not going to be easy, and to prepare for the worst. But I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I'm with you. It's like okay, don't get overhyped. Don't get overhyped. But I mean, when I look at that on a paper, I think we're gonna. I I feel like we have a good chance to get. I don't want to say it's going to be a huge win. I don't think. Again, I think that that game last year. Personally, I looked at it and go, "Okay, we lost. But like, we didn't lose as badly as the score showed. We we made more mistakes than TCU, and that's what happened. We still, for the most part, played a decent game. But if we can if we can hold their explosiveness the way we were able to against Texas Tech, and if we can just be patient and not I think this is the only thing we did well against Testa Tech. I think we did, we've done this football well pretty much all season. We're not trying to score on one play. We're going to throw those long balls to Gibson. We're going to throw those long balls to, you know, shorts or, or um, you know, who, uh, DeVrant, whomever we, you know, we're going to throw the long ball on occasion. It's okay. I like it. But for the most part, we're trying to grind out drives. And I think that has worked in our favor every single game where we're, as long as we get into the end zone, we'll be okay.
1: Right. Score a and uh, <laughs> that, that was that was the big stat from Saturday's win. Uh, I think we were eight and eight in the red zone, which is amazing. I think yeah. six of those were touchdowns. Is that is that what it was? Yeah, and, so, uh, and the one yeah, field goal yeah, yeah, we missed was
0: outside of the touchdown too, or it's outside of the red zone.
1: Right, so I'll take it. Let's keep it up.
0: Um, I, I think the big key for us, this game is, is we're going to have to try to, we're going to have to run the ball. We're going to have to be committed to that. But I mean, overall their defensive secondary is not very good and we're going to have opportunities to go big on them. I'm not saying they're going to be all home run balls, but like, we're going to get those 20, 30, 40 yard plays. They're going to be there. And it comes down to Skylar being able to put the ball in the hands of our wide receivers. And if he can do that, I think we're going to have a lot of success against TCU's defense. Well, I don't really have any. I mean, I think we've dissected this game enough. I don't really have any other insight. I, I feel like we have our chances to exploit their weaknesses, but I also feel like they're just a good, a well-coached football team. And I feel like we're going to win, but this is the first real big— Real big game we're going to have this season against, a, you know, someone who was supposed to be a real conference title contender. Uh, well, OK, so again, we got the game on Saturday, October 22nd, 3.30 p.m. kickoff. WVU versus TCU uh, going to be, as we said, a cold and slightly rainy day in Morgantown. Um, hopefully that does not dampen the spirits of Mountaineer Faithful and they are at the game um i think it's pretty close to a sellout last i saw it is you haven't bought tickets yet
1: it It is a sellout yeah i I think they announced it's a sellout so
0: that's awesome okay well then show up and don't not show up don't buy a ticket and not show up don't be that person you don't have to wear any special color this weekend except for old gold and blue but pick which one you want you don't have to worry about that um just show up and be loud that's all we need from you uh, there are some other games in the Big 12 going on this weekend, though. Um, we're not the only special ones. It's kicking us off at noon, 11 Central, on Fox Sports 1 will be Oklahoma State at Kansas, which means that Oklahoma State gets a bye week before playing us.
1: How does this always happen? How?
0: I don't know. Like, TCU gets a bye week before us, and, like, I think. I feel I think Oklahoma has a bye week before us, or someone else on the schedule has like a bye week or an easy game before us. And it's like, why? How? Granted, we get Kansas before we go to Texas, so maybe that's a good thing. Um, Who wins that game?
1: Oklahoma State wins it. I think Kansas. Are you sure? I I think they flew too too close to the sun the week before last. Um, I, I don't. I think Oklahoma State wins pretty comfortably.
0: Um, moving on, Texas travels to Manhattan, Kansas to play the Kansas State Wildcats at noon on ESPN two. Does Texas have a repeat performance of their defense, uh, from last week?
1: Nope. (laughs) I think Kansas (laughs) State has this one. I'm pretty confident in that. Uh, and Bill Snyder is a wizard and he'll just cast some kind of spell on Charlie strong and he'll disappear from Texas. So that's how that's going to happen.
0: Is that is that his doing, or is that the uh,
1: athletic director's doing? That's, that's, I guess we'll have to figure that one out ourselves.
0: <laughs> uh, last not West Virginia game, of the Big 12, Week 8, Oklahoma at Texas Tech, 8 p.m. on Fox. I don't know what the over-under is, but should it be over-under 100 points? Yes.
1: We're going to have points. Points <laughs> on points on points in that game. Defense is optional.
0: I think I think Texas Tech wins this game. Or excuse me, I think Oklahoma wins this game because they have the ability to play defense on occasion.
1: Would you? Yeah, I, I'm I'm right there with you. I I, I think this is going to be a shootout. It's going to be you know fifty fifty to forty six or something. It's something stupid. Um,
0: uh. I think that yeah, that's the entire slate for the Big 12 in Week Eight. Um, again, West Virginia takes on TCU Saturday, October 22nd at 3:30 p.m. at Milan Put Stadium at Mountaineer Field. If you're not at the game, you can watch it on ABC. And uh, thank you very much for listening to the Smoky Musket Podcast. Um, again, we're trying to we're in a little bit of a transition, so you know we'll iron out the kinks as we go. But uh, we're we're very happy you're you're listening to us. Again, if you have not already, please go subscribe to us on iTunes and rate us on iTunes so that we can continue to get our stuff out to you. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Smoking Musket. Uh, Follow us on Twitter at Smoking Musket. Find us on Facebook at The Smoking Musket. And you can go to our website proper, SmokingMusket.com, for all the information you need on Mountaineer football and basketball. Uh, Mike, any final thoughts? Your first time on the podcast.
1: Uh, well, this went better than I thought. <laughs> Hopefully, uh, <laughs> it gets better. Yeah, it, it yeah. Gets better, once probably. once I get more comfortable with it. Um, no, I'll be I'll be prowling around Morgantown Saturday. So, if you see me, I'll say hello. Um, I know some of the other guys. I know Smitty's going to be there, and uh, WVU IE ninety seven Mark. He uh, he'll be there. He's always there. So if you see any of us, just You'll say hello. Don't be a yeah. I mean, like
0: we said when we were in uh, in DC, you know, say hi. Come, well, I mean, we're, we're we are nice people. We like to talk about people about more about WVU football. We promise. Uh, well, okay, I think we're I think we're done. I think uh, for Mike Miller, I am Bart Keeler. This is the Smoking Musket Podcast. Um, thanks for joining us, and as always. Bye buddy, hope you find your dad.